0: Podcasting from Fairfax, Virginia, you are now tuned in to The Highlight Cast with your
1: hosts, Adam McNair and Kevin Long. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Adam McNair. I'm back with The Highlight Cast, joined by Kevin Long. Kevin, good to have you. Nice to be here. All right. So it's been a little while. We wanted to get back together and talk about some things that have been happen- happening in the industry and with the company. Um... First of which is we have rebranded recently and the real questions around that is what is the rebrand but also why did we do it and so wanted to talk a little bit about the why. Uh, As a government contractor, I think probably as any company, one of the things that happens a lot is you describe yourself as what you have been, not necessarily what you are any longer or what what you want to be right and so I think that combination of kind of what I would call aspirational branding of what are we trying to be and who are we now very frequently when you're doing branding you end up sending people back to go look at what projects have we done and I think maybe that's more of a government thing a government contractor Yeah, could be Um, although I mean
0: the past is really the best descriptor of it's the easiest descriptor uh, of what you are I think but it's, um, I guess, it's, when you look at, you know, they always, all the business school classes tell you, you know, vision and mission and things like that. And I think too often you end up not thinking about the forward-looking what you want to do, right? I mean, uh, but we do spend way more time than probably other industries writing past performances.
1: Yeah, because well, right? one of the ways that we win business as a government contractor is there's an approach, but then there's also what is your past experience? So people yep. want to know where have you done this before and how much of it did you do and how long did it go for and, and what things can you translate from what you did before to, to current and I think in the commercial space from what I've seen often it's just what can you do for me?
0: Yep, who can you provide and what can you do? Not, not uh, how many times have you done it before, at least not as much.
1: Yeah, and so, so the, the why of rebranding was really, we've been in business for over 10 years now. And so 10 years ago, we were a much different company than we are today. And even okay. a couple of years ago, we were a much different company than we are today. And so the, the process of rebranding, um, the reason for it was we want to describe ourselves as to what we offer today and what we want to offer to the government as mm-hmm. opposed to just what we've done before and so the process that we undertook so we we talked about doing it internally but it is it's a lot of work (laughs) it's a lot of work and it's also eminently difficult to be objective about yourself and so we we hired a company to run the rebranding process for us and the process included really a 360 degree kind of analysis so they surveyed our customers, they surveyed employees, they talked to the leadership of the company, sure did. they also looked at what we put out publicly, what proposals do we write, what marketing materials do we have, what does our website say and tried to coalesce from all of that some recommendations for rebranding. Uh as, we, as they came to us and talked to us about that, some things that we knew about ourselves or believed about ourselves, I think, came forward, which were things like, we do a pretty darn good job when we deliver a project. Yep. Uh, we do a lot to take care of employees and make sure that we have really spoken for employee interests in every opportunity where we've had to do that. But the interesting part was that seemed to be very differentiated in the market space, that a lot of companies don't do that, that our average quality or customer satisfaction score was higher than a lot of other companies, that our average spend for employees was a lot higher than the average spend for an employee to take care of things like benefits and so forth. Um, So during that process, they came back to us with some things that I think we agreed were correct about ourselves, but we weren't actually sure we were that different from a lot of companies. Right. Uh, now, Kevin, what was your exposure to the, the rebranding process? Sure.
0: Um, well, I was in a, a bunch of meetings where we talked about whether we were going to do it ourselves. And uh, I'm glad we didn't because that's, that's not our core competency. Right? It's, uh, I, I believe in letting experts be experts. Right. Uh, so, I was there for that. And then, uh, uh, I know we, you know, just like the government does, I, I was part of when we were looking at the different companies that were, that were being interviewed for that, so I, I was part of the out briefs for that. And then once we'd picked the vendor that we were going to use, um, they asked me who they should talk to uh, of customers, of my staff, and then me. And I got, you know, uh, I had to do different surveys to talk about, you know, what was it, that uh, if highlight was a car, <laughs> what would it be? Right. Uh, so it was really interesting that they, how they approached uh, making you think about, you know, honestly, other commodities and other, other things that you'd buy. Um, that aren't related to an IT firm, right? But it's a so they, they had they had a creative method to be able to uh, make you think about the company in different ways. So yeah, so um, yeah, through the decision points, uh, uh, then you know I was a data point as well. It was it was an interesting experience.
1: Yeah, and I appreciated that as well because I I think like like a lot of things when you're involved in something it is eminently hard to really describe it and especially for somebody like us, there are companies larger and smaller than us who are much more concentrated on one particular thing and you know we are doing technology work and mission work which is automatically a dividing point we are doing it in DC, Maryland, Virginia We are also doing it in New Jersey, Georgia, Alabama. Ohio, Hawaii. St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. uh, Theoretically in Illinois. Actually, we have some in Illinois now. We do. We just started one in California. Yeah. So you've got a lot of span there that even in the 300, 400, 500 person realm you find a lot of companies that have all 500 of their employees in one place supporting maybe even one customer sometimes. So there's a lot of of, of different mission and demographic uh, data that crosses into that. So their process of going through the the rebrand was interesting and it it came back with some different things that led up to both a tagline and a methodology that we have now uh, coined yeah. uh, the tagline no way no how and so when I look at some of the projects that we've delivered successfully because um, it's not the projects where somebody approaches you and says we know exactly what we want and we know exactly how we want it done Yep those aren't the ones that are super hard usually.
0: No, well, those are the ones that are honestly less interesting because if the customer knows everything and knows exactly what they want, they're buying a commodity, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And that's, Highlight sells brains. We Mm -hmm. hire really smart people that are good at solving problems. So, I mean, honestly, there's a there's a ton of government contract work out there that really is just I want to button a seat that will do what I tell them to do it's all over the place but that's you know that's not who we hire that's not what we do that's not what our customers tend to need
1: yeah I mean I go back it's probably a year or so ago and one of our civilian area customers came to us and said we have never really tackled our data issue internally But what we know is that for the last 50 years, we have been collecting data in paper format and we know that we need to catalog, organize, and digitize Digitize. that data. We're not really sure what we should do. and We came back to them with a solution that said this really should be two phases you need to figure out what you want to do with this data and then we need to process all of it." And they said, well that's fine, but we don't have the budget to figure out what we want to do with it first. We have to process it and then we can get the data, the money for the, what we do with the data first. Yep. And so we figured out, okay, well if we were going to back into this, how could we process this data to have it be the most flexible so that once they decide on their enterprise data strategy, that we haven't help. painted ourselves in a corner essentially. Those are the kind of projects, and we, we completed that. We scanned all of it, and so... Sure did. You know, the, the tactical-level problems... Oh, and those had tactical-level problems, too. Yeah, I'm going to open a box and find some papers in there that came from 65 years ago, and you can't scan them because they right. fall apart right. and, and all the rest of them crumpled
0: up, and the ink's faded, or it's torn in half, or...
1: Well, and interestingly, I mean, some of the things that we found weren't even the records we were supposed to find. What we right. found were... Somebody 30 years ago, when they said, okay, this project is done, go ahead and box up the records that are important, they didn't have a rule that said what was important or not. So they just took everything on their desk, including (laughs) travel receipts and random papers and part of the Washington Post and a newsletter from wherever and put it all in a box. To-go menu. And then we found it 30-some years years later later. and said, oh, wow, you know, uh, uh, okay, turns out that... uh, (laughs) You know, the, the, the Washington football team might get a new stadium, look at that. <laughs> um, yeah. So a lot of that happened, but the real art of it, I think, was we created for them a structure so that they could figure out later what to do with all of that information and didn't have to do it in the right order. And so that yep. those kinds of things are the no way, no how, we know how to do this business. Yeah. And um, so... The, the rebranding process hit on that mm-hmm. and some of the conversations we had were so what it sounds like we are best at is figuring out hard problems. That's not truly a technology challenge in mm-hmm. and of itself. That's not how do I fit more storage into a cloud environment or how many transistors can you fit on a chip? No. Yeah, it, it was many of that, and so the, the the talk that we had was, do we try to lean forward on some technology angle? Right. And where we came about was, it's rarely the technology that's the problem no. anymore. Um, it usually is something else, it's people, it's stakeholders, it's mm-hmm. regulation, it's something like that. So, we decided that we were going to go ahead and... Except that what was coming back to us is that we just do this business in, in a very strong, predictable manner. Our process is a good one. Yeah, so we accepted that. So during the rebrand, what it pointed to was Highlight Technologies was a bit of a point in the wrong direction from the standpoint of what we do best highlight was called highlight because we said that we wanted to highlight our customers successes right and that didn't necessarily mean technology successes because most agencies i mean there might be a couple or individual offices where technology is truly their focal point right. but most of our customers technology is a tool and it helps solve their problem yeah so we're we're there to help their mission succeed whether that mm-hmm. be the warfighter mission, whether that be the international development mission, diplomacy, uh, the safety and welfare of food and people, something other than just technology. Right.
0: Other than, I made a cool system.
1: So we went ahead and we have rebranded as Highlight, simply Highlight. So we dropped the technologies part and we adopted the tagline, no way, no how, meaning that we believe and we have a lot of empirical data to back this up based on past performance, is that we know how to get things done for customers. And we know the way to do that so that it works well in their environment. Um, You know, we try to make sure that we are a collaborative partner in the process and we don't walk up with a...
0: We know better than you do for your space.
1: Right, right. Yeah, the, the we know better tagline was <laughs> no. not one that we thought we would adopt so so that's really the way the, the whole process went and rolling that out across the the company is something we're trying to approach being really a brand driven company is that that knowing how and knowing the way to do this business it really does permeate all the different aspects of it and so a lot of the yep. things that we do with regard to investment in employees and training and so forth, that all does tie in because sure. employees that have been trained do a better yeah. job with the customer.
0: Well, they're, they're happier, they're smarter, they, they do better for the customer. So yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so this, um, <laughs> this all culminated in um, we've done a, a, a launch of the new website so yep. looks great Check highlight highlight is a a brand new website which goes into some depth about the no way no how about some of the projects that we've done as case studies mm-hmm. um, certainly has some of the, the other elements to it um, we have tried to align our social media presence on linkedin and instagram and facebook and such with um with that branding, and we did a ribbon cutting uh, going back um, a little, little while ago here, about a week ago. That's right. New office also. New office as well. And so really, you know, all of those things come together in that when we were selecting office space, we could have gone with something that was just nice and fancy. Right. What we ended up with was very nice, but is aligned to employee and customer requirements in that it's available to to mass transit. Mm -hmm. We wanted employees and customers, if they wanted to, to be able to get here and not have to drive because we know a lot of them are downtown. Mm -hmm. From a cost perspective, it's a conservative cost of of a space because that's not where we're trying to invest all of our money with some palatial type office, but it's nice enough to be here as a resource to everybody and allow them to, to get their jobs done. And it's a collaborative focus office. It's great. And the one difference that I will say in, in all of the offices, I've done, I've been involved in a lot of different build-outs and relocations over the years, but the way we approached this one was how do people work? Um, the average real estate consultant that will come in and say well how many square feet per person do you you need? Well the answer like most things is it really depends on the person. Um, We have some people here who need quiet. They write documents, they are doing quality checks. We actually have two different suites in this building, one of which is very very quiet. It is where our people who are writing documents, quality checking documents, looking over deliverables for customers, preparing project plans, etc., mm-hmm. it's silent down there. Yeah. And it's that way by design because our previous office was really all kind of one open area and when we so. talked to people about it, they said, well, you know, either I love this, it's great, it's so much fun, I can talk to everybody, <laughs> or this makes it really hard for me to do my job because it's open and very loud and everybody talks to each other. And then when you come up to our, our main suite, um, we've similarly, the, the operations cell, essentially all of us mm-hmm. in operations and the people that are running the business and the team that support that are all here in one corner and they're, we're all right next to the large break room. Mm-hmm. It gets kind of loud. It does. If you want to see the finance and contracts team, they're further down the hall and it's pretty quiet down there. We have have the office set up the way people work so that the office itself is not negatively impacting their daily, daily situation. So we did a ribbon cutting here and interestingly we have moved into the city of Fairfax. Even though we've always been a Fairfax company. Fairfax and city of Fairfax are very different areas. Two separate things, yep. So we had the mayor, city council, uh, several people from the, the municipality out during our ribbon cutting. And uh, it was a nice ceremony. It was nice to see, I mean, it's always nice to see that the city's happy you're there. It's yeah. always nice to see that the employees are happy that you are in a community because they feel like they have more resources available to them and it's a fun thing to see the name of the company go up on the side of the building that's a fun thing to do too um but what were your thoughts from the 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 ribbon cutting and the overall kind of event
0: well it was great to see the mayor he gave a really nice sort of history of of the company which i hadn't heard all of Uh, talking about all that, uh, our location, the type of work that we've done, and honestly, the type of outreach that we do uh, with uh, some of the, the charities that we work with. And that was very nice. And honestly, I, I loved, uh, Rebecca gave a speech, um, and it was very funny hearing her talk about moving from her dining room, where she took it over and put up whiteboards and then when she hired Jim, he was like, "I need to see people, and I am not coming to your house. <laughs> you need an office." And and from there, you know, it just you know took off from that, and it was a uh, uh, it, it it was a very nice uh, 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 talk to that, and it was great because we paired it with a uh, new hire orientation, mm-hmm. and so we got to have some of the newest highlighters. Uh, Uh, get to see that and we also had uh, some you know it's we're doing the the monthly the monthly shindig uh, you know meet the meet the team folks and that was part of it and so uh, I got to you know talk with some folks that are at USCIS and and other places that I hadn't seen out at, at, at the headquarters before
1: and so it was
0: yeah it was a it was a good time
1: yeah and you know for for me So I I ran the process to find the new office, and of the things I was looking for, of the requirements that I had gathered, you know, one of them was for the people that we have working here from our main office, to have the ability for them, something as simple as go to a convenience store or a restaurant at lunchtime and be able to walk or quickly drive there and have it not be some massive exercise in traffic, which really is... I mean, I, I tell the story because it, it was impactful for me. I, I tried to go to 7-Eleven to get a soda one time at the old office, and after 20 minutes, I had to turn around in traffic because I just couldn't get there. And it was less than a mile. It's yeah. just it's where we were, right there on the edge of Vienna, that those intersections were rough, and it was just not easy to get in and out of.
0: Yeah, heaven help you if you need to take a left.
1: Right, right. <laughs> Can't turn left. Um, but also... One of the things that we were looking for with this office was a place that if somebody is on a project, if they are mm-hmm. a teleworker, that this was comfortable for them to come here. And so yeah. our our common area break area, break room, is set up not just for lunch for our internal office here, but when people come from whatever project site or a teleworker, mm-hmm. it is a cafe coffee shop style setup so that they can they yep. can set up shop they can sit there we put extra money into the Wi-Fi to make sure that that all works well and we've got the really fancy coffee too. machine and snacks and all of that so that they can sit down and work like they want to until whatever they are here for is yep uh, you know that they're ready for because one of the use cases we have is somebody's going to come out here for a meeting at 1 o'clock well If you're going to come here for a meeting at 1 o'clock and you're going to get done at 2.30, you're not driving back into DC so that you can then drive to Lorton or National Harbor or wherever else. You kind of have this limbo time. So this gives them the ability to say, okay, I want to work from this office. I'm going to put in an hour or two from here and have it be comfortable. And all of the printers are Wi-Fi connected so they can map the things correctly. so there was a lot of, of thought that went into that, but the the ribbon cutting also for me was bringing together the new brand and the true new feeling of what are you today and what are you going to be, what do you want to be, as opposed to where have you been. And certainly this facility is very much a who are we today and who are we going to be tomorrow as opposed to you know who we, we have been. Um, One of the other things that we tied in with all of this is the best practice framework that we use to deliver services to the government and delivering services is increasing in complexity depending on the services you're trying to deliver, Um, but there are a lot of best practices that people end up talking about. Um, Kevin, you know, you've been around ISOs and CMMIs for to ever? ever, probably. Yeah. Um, when did you start getting exposed to those from a federal standpoint?
0: Oh gosh, um, when I was working at Alpha Insight, Khaki at State Department, we helped the uh, the contract there get ISO twenty thousand. That was uh, that was gosh, they were the first in the federal government at that point in time. So yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, but yeah, now you see everybody with that. But that was, that's the first, first thing that I actually had to be involved.
1: Yeah, so when I, when I first got started in this business, I I had, had heard of it a little bit, but I was a, my company was a protege to Antion for a little while, which has been bought 19 different times since then but one of the things that they talked about was well you might want to get an ISO or CMMI certification and there was no how do I do that or what does that mean or anything it just was this kind of there was goodness there but one couldn't understand why and so when I also when I started at Alpha Insight and uh, Devin Dufer who manages our, our quality and those kinds of certifications now, we started talking about ISO 9000 and CMMI and all of these different, pra- different best practices and process models and it probably took me a decade to really internalize what they do or what they mean and part of the process I've gone through over the last 20 years is trying to look for things in those different models that actually help you do better work Right. there's always something that was written by somebody because they had to write something and then there are things that actually help you yep. um, it's like those old tags on mattresses that says don't tear these off But if you tear <laughs> them off nothing happens Right. and then there's like the break in case of fire and when you break that something happens so there's there's some things where there's no actual cause and effect and some that there are so yeah what we've built here at highlight is a service delivery model based on those best practices and it is certified in all of those Mm -hmm. just because Number one, if you want to be credible, it's it's good to have somebody come in and objectively look. Yep. But it's also a very, wo- very good way to get better. If you want to look at, I wrote all these things, do they actually work? Have somebody come in and test them objectively. Sure. So what we have branded as Highway, so it's the way we do business, is a collection uniquely of yes. six different certifications. So the unique part, I'll... I guess I'll address last. I don't know if that's bearing the lead or not. but The most common ones that you see all the time. So ISO 9000, that's a general approach to quality. So we have a process that says we're going to pay attention to make sure that we are doing a good job. Now, the practical application of that, you do program reviews of all of your projects every month.
0: Yep. So yeah, uh, 9000 says You've written down what you're going to do, and you do what you've written down. And for us, part of what we do for checking that quality with program reviews is um, I have a template of things that we have decided is important to know every month that I, I should follow up on. You know, how is staffing? How is funding? How is quality? Are you doing your deliverables? Um, do you have? Are all your staff meeting your labor cat quals? All, all of when is your recompete right? All of the different things that, that you talk with with your PM that is important to important for the PM to know and important for me to make sure that I follow up on you know what what risks do you have and you know it's it's a real simple thing you know red yellow green I mean what do we need to talk about more right um, red red means I'm going to pay attention to it a lot going to have specific actions, and I'm going to be on the phone with you. Yellow means you better have specific actions and be working on it. And let me know how it's going. And green is is great. You can we can have a little conversation about it. Uh, but you know, every month, every program, across the board, tomorrow, and I both. You know, mm-hmm. for for everyone, it's it's it is literally. I mean, it's it's the cover charge to do business with the government, right? It's it, it's the cost of doing business.
1: Yeah, and and that's the way that I look at it is we want to do only those things from a quality standpoint that really give us value. We're yes. not trying to fill out forms or check boxes or have people have conversations for no particular reason. Paperwork
0: for paper sake drives it, me insane.
1: Yeah, and, and it always has me too. And so, you know, the way that we handle risks, um, As Kevin, as you were were alluding to, if you or Tamara Mintz, who's our other uh, VP in Ops, Mm -hmm. if there's something that either one of you believes is red, that's a big deal, Mm -hmm. then we corporately should pay attention to it. And so That's one of the things every Monday I have an internal ops meeting, and we talk about that. We look at it from the standpoint of what can the company be doing to help this project because risks sometimes are big, but usually what you find is that they're pretty small. There, There's one person or two people on a project who have encountered something. The impact can be big, but a lot of times just helping them doesn't yep. take that much effort. Sometimes it's, I don't have backup. Sometimes it's, I need something documented. Sometimes it's, I need, need augmented training. Yeah, I need more resumes for an opening. I mean, that's... that's, yeah. that's And there are things that with the right focus we can help out with Um, so that's really the the 9000 piece Um, so then and as you alluded to ISO 20000 so we were part of khaki when we did that I don't know a long time ago now Um, so we were the first company in America to be ISO 20000 certified back when that that came out and ISO 20000 is really the IT service management certification. Yep. And so that's, if anybody has read the ITIL, the Information Technology Infrastructure Library book set that the UK published whenever okay. that happened. Version 4 is now out. Is, wow, version 4 of that, so, how time moves along, right? right? And really, I mean, the way that I would summarize it, and you're far more certified in ITIL than I am, yeah. But the way that I summarize it is, it gives you a good vocabulary to discuss IT That's management,
0: it. IT strategy, IT management, all all the way through to turning turning it off. It is it, it's the best set of uh, descriptors or problem solving tools and approaches that I've seen out of
1: anything like that. Yeah and for me it was it, the, the true value to me is that if you do not have a vocabulary with which to describe something it becomes very difficult to holistically yep. plan or, or work through it mm-hmm. and because ITIL defines a collection of terms that says that you should have all of these areas of awareness when you're handling IT it drives the conversation of how are we going to address those things. Yep. And if you address them, whether you address them well or you address them very in a very minor fashion, at least you have a comprehensive view yep. of where you are from an IT standpoint. Yep. So ISO 20000 really makes sure that you are compliant with ITIL because ITIL is an idea. There's no... But you have to do it in ITIL. Yeah. ITIL, are, are, they are theories. They're not... It's not prescriptive in any right. real yeah. way. Yeah,
0: I mean, they talk about specific tools, but they don't tell you this is what it's. You have a
1: configuration management database,
0: and they tell you the type of stuff that it should have in it, but they don't. ITIL doesn't sell
1: you the database, right? No, and they don't. They don't outline processes to make sure that everybody puts things in the right. configuration management database. No. You know, so
0: they, I mean, they'll say things like, you know, release control and validation is important, yeah. right? And then give you different things to pay attention to with RCV. and... But, yeah, it's, it is, you know, uh, it's like salt when you're cooking, it's a flavor for yourself, right?
1: Right. And so 20,000 really says, okay, if you're going to do that, what's your release process? You have to have one. Yep. And it has to have controls in it, and it has to be audited to make sure that the people that are doing it are following it. Yep. So that's the, the teeth that 20,000 puts into it. 27,000 is really security and risk management. And... Especially in a federal environment, it's really important because every law, every piece of regulation, every government organization that has their own internal governance standards, you end up with a partial list of those in a a federal contract, but generally there's also some FAR clause that says, and any other relevant regulation, you have to abide by that as well. Yep. And so 27,000 helps you at critical points like during startup, during mm-hmm. option periods, uh, during major releases, things like that. It helps make sure that you are aligning what you are doing to what's compliant with that mm-hmm. given customer organization. Then the, I'll talk about the last ISO here in a minute, but the yep. then there's there's two CMMI's and that's a, CMMI is really a maturity model and so they each have their own one-to-five scales which one starts out with you're aware of I do it. nothing right. <laughs> I don't do anything, but I'm aware that I do some things yeah. And then you get to level two and it says that you at least Documented what you mm-hmm. do, but you don't know if it's good or not, and then up into measured and managed yep. three. So you get to level three and it says we're actually managing what we're doing. Yep now, you get up into the four and five level, and that starts to say that every decision that you're making is tied directly to decision metrics around what you did before and what you're doing now. And so they are optimizing it and charging the government more than they want to pay. Yeah, that happens a lot. I would agree with you. Yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, level three is really the standard for things that are... Mm-hmm likely to be changed in the what I would call the intermediate future. So, CMMI Level 5, if you're going to put an embedded system in the flight control of an airplane or a missile or a satellite, you're like, going to lo- launch something you can't touch. I want SpaceX to be CMMI 5. Absolutely. Right? Their software? Sure. Putting a person in space? Totally. And similarly, if you're going to build a microwave or a piece of medical gear right? and you're not going to touch it again, now I know there's some IoT microwave, so I'm not going to speak to that, but right. things that cannot be updated, that you want to make sure that you know that you built it to last for the next two life cycles of what it was intended for, mm-hmm. then absolutely. CMMI yep. level 5 has some some benefit to it, but... So we do CMMI Level 3, which means just that we are are managing around processes that we have established, and they are on both the development and services side. So if we're building applications, or we are doing engineering services, that we are following what at least at some point Carnegie Mellon believed was the best way to do that. So they are much more prescriptive than ISO. ISO just says you need to have a process tell us
0: what it is and show us you followed it yes
1: exactly CMMI says no no if you want to build (laughs) software this is the way you should build software so we do follow that now the the term of art that's a little bit different is ISO you're certified so if you go look at our wall in our office we have the the certificates for ISO posted up on the wall Mm -hmm. CMMI doesn't do that CMMI you are externally appraised. Appraised. Now this is one of those things uh, we will often say that we're certified. A distinction without a difference. Right. We will often say we're certified in CMMI interpersonally but the official term is externally appraised. Now both of them you have to be externally appraised. So for the ISOs we pay an auditor to come out here to spend a couple of days and look through an absolute mountain of documentation. Interview yeah. a bunch of people, and then they come out and say, "You absolutely comply with all of this. Here are your certificates."
0: Well, they say, "Here's here's where you can improve, but you've done enough."
1: Absolutely. <laughs> CMMI does exactly the same thing. Yes. It just takes instead of days, it takes a week or two. And instead of sending one person, they send three or four. And instead of them saying that we are certified, they have to recommend it to Carnegie Mellon. Carnegie Mellon. And then we get it back but so it's it's essentially the same process it's just more more arduous but we follow both of those so if we're going to design a computer system we're going to build software we follow both of those where we are unique is ISO 44001 collaborative business relationship management so as of certainly the recording of this podcast and yep. perhaps for a while longer Alcohol so wood. we're the only company in America that has 44,000 and really a
0: handful in the world too
1: really so there's really only a handful in the world there were as of at the point where we became certified there were six companies in England that had achieved it and they were companies that had major stakeholder tie-ins one of them was an energy company right Uh, One of them was an airline. These are Mm -hmm. places where you have a lot of different complex business relationships. And the reason that we went after ISO 44000 was that there's not many things that are more complex than building enterprise processes and systems for the federal government with all of the stakeholders of that agency, across the agency, interagency, multiple contractors, technology vendors, et cetera.
0: Technology is no
1: longer the hardest problem to solve. Absolutely. And, you know, the push to the cloud, as an example. Yep.
0: Oof, yeah.
1: Aligning what your agency wants to do with technology is one thing. Then when you say, okay, we're going to all put it in a cloud provider, Lining up the technology roadmap of that cloud provider just with the roadmap of your particular customer is very, very difficult. But if you don't mm-hmm. take the time to do that, you oh can paint goodness. yourself into that corner where you are now doing things that that provider is no longer going to support two or three years down the road.
0: Yep. Yes. So and And none of your customers are happy with the way you've approached it, and they don't think that they're getting what they need, and it is, yeah, that's, it's... It it, it is a fraught uh, 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 opportunity right there to approach that, you know, badly.
1: Yeah, and so the way that we looked at 44,000 was all of the other best practices, all of the ISOs, all of the CMMI's, Mm -hmm. are predominantly about your own processes. Yep. Now, different ones of them mentioned something about external risk or external requirements here and there. But 44000 is really the one that says, okay, now that you've engineered everything, how do you introduce that into an environment for someone else, which I feel like is everything that we do as a company. I mean, we're not, we're not building widgets for ourselves. We're building either software or products or processes or work products for the American taxpayer at some level yeah. or, or the military.
0: And, and even at a closer level than that, we're building systems that have, we're usually within the IT organization building systems or producing, you know, reports or what have you for other business groups within within an agency. So we have, it, it, there are multiple stakeholders all, all around that and it is Managing their expectations and their needs is is almost always one of the most complicated parts of any of the work that we do.
1: Yeah, and so the, the complexities, you've got the customer complexities, which can be multiple groups instead of a customer organization. You have other vendors in the environment. Oh, yeah. uh, sometimes we're building software and they're managing the environment. Sometimes... We are writing policy and they are doing the audits and rolling out the tech. It depends on the environment. Then you've got third party technical partners. You've got oh, yeah. your Microsofts and Oracles, Amazons of the and world and Oracles yep. who they have their own different roadmaps for their product. That, I mean, understandably so. So if you look at it, when Microsoft decided that Windows XP was something that wasn't going to be supported any longer. Yep. That's a completely reasonable business decision on their standpoint. They're like, look, uh, we, we've been done with Microsoft Windows XP for 10 years. If you're still using it, it's kind of on you at this point. Yep. But it was also completely understandable on the government side. There were lots of places where we had customers where they said, it would cost us hundreds of millions of dollars to build off of this platform and get to something else And those other platforms haven't been tested through our security guidelines yet. We're not allowed to, so what do we do? Mm -hmm. That really is what 44,000 is intended to tackle. So 44,000 says identify the stakeholders and their requirements. Look through derived second-order requirements. Figure out when you are starting up an engagement or when you are wrapping up an engagement the kinds of communications that you need to have. And it hits to me a lot at a lot of the bids and a lot of the programs we have, they'll ask for a communication plan Sure. that is almost an add-on. Yeah,
0: it's very pro forma most of the time.
1: And it feels a little bit to me. Security used to be that way. Yeah. It used to be, tell me how you would do this work, oh, and by the way, then write me three pages to say how you're going to make sure that the security operates in our environment. I feel like the government has moved past that, right? Yep. And so now it's, okay, and tell me how you're going to communicate with this. Yeah. Where realistically, like you say, I mean, I feel like that's where most of these projects go sideways if they're going to go there or become challenged or absolutely cause issues is people don't know what's happening
0: or they're not approaching it in any sort of systematic way that is provides any predictability, mm-hmm. right? It is, uh, and you know, I like being surprised on Christmas and my birthday, yeah. right? Uh, and you know, customers are absolutely the same way, and so more and more, they, I mean, they need to know how you're going to approach it and what they can expect out of it, and you know, there's not an IT organization out there that, that doesn't know that dealing with their customers is one of the most challenging things they do. I mean, geeks don't like dealing with a lot of hard political interpersonal stuff, blatant general, generalization, but it is, that, that is a, a hard part of, of what we do and having a process around how we can do that smartly and repeatedly amazing.
1: Yeah, and some of those hard questions, you know, when we we're talking about the fact that technology usually isn't the hard part, coming up in, so, in some organizations, coming up with who should be allowed to approve this? Sure. Oh which is gosh. just a workflow. I mean, that, when you talk from a, oh. a pure tech standpoint, you're just looking for an answer. I don't care who it is. Right. G- give g- me a g- name. G- give me a title. Give me a
0: role. Whatever. I mean, anyone named
1: Bob, that's fine. I can code that. But nope. And oh then that gosh. turns into this massive dialogue. And so those are the kinds of things that ISO 44,000, to identify the drivers in an organization, the risk structure, the, the power structure, or the political hierarchy in the organization. Mm-hmm. And so 44,000 means that as we are getting started for a program, we are thinking a lot about that. And then it defines the process by which we continue to pay attention to that. And that's both externally with all of those other stakeholders, but also internally. Things like, did we have somebody that was supporting this project as a special project add-on who now that special project ended and they're going to roll off? What other things were they doing? Were they only touching that special project? Did they touch other things that we don't want to accidentally find out about Later, after
0: after they've rolled, also
1: subcontractors. You know, subcontract management that Mm -hmm. sometimes we're asked to submit a report on, you know, a report or a plan. It's not just let me make sure they don't spend more money than they were supposed to, or let me make sure they get their deliverable in. But if that's an entire other company that has its own dynamic, how do we make sure that they're wrapped into the program such that whatever happens? inside of Highlight, inside of a subcontractor, anywhere else. It doesn't disrupt the dynamic of the program. That's really what it's pointed at. And So, Highway, as we've uh, coined it, is really the collection of those six best practices that we use 44,000 to translate into a customer environment. And there are some tangible things. If we submit a resume, we run it through a verification process to make sure that when we said we were going to submit person x for this project. We verify that they meet the labor category requirements. Yep. We make sure that if we're going to offboard somebody that we turn the access off that when we were supposed to so that we don't have security risks. We make sure on a monthly and weekly basis that if there were resources, laptop, workspace, anything else that somebody was supposed to have, that they have it before they're supposed to have it so that we're not impacting a, a client. Yep. But that really is the overall framework that we're using to deliver business and the, the rebrand was really just around giving some things a name and then I think noticing that there's some difference there. Mm-hmm. That it's not, we're not coming up with a new way to do agile development. Yep. It's we're coming up with a new way to do it to watch what's important to a customer while we do it. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's also important for us here and folks around the company to be able to help describe what we do and how we approach it with that. And so, uh, before this rebrand, I mean, a lot of the discussion that we've been having is, you know, what's our elevator pitch, right? And so, part of this really lets us sort of define, you know, highlight knows the way, highlight knows how. We do it the highway, right? It, and being able to wrap that around, uh, you know, a customer value story is be, being able to describe that is important.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that I like about it, frankly, is I've been involved in branding exercises before, where there was the your side of it, and then the employee side of it, and mm-hmm. then the customer side of it. You know, and the, the company side of it was, look, we're not very good at this or that, so we're going to accentuate this. And then you had put a spin on that for the customer yep. and a spin on that for the employee. The, the way we've done this, truly, is internally consistent and honest. It's, here's what we do really well. We do mm-hmm. projects for the government very, very well. And we are not a research and development shop. If If you feel like... You have a problem with continuous integration and you want somebody to build you a better continue, continuous integration COTS package. We're not going to do that. No. But we'll take what's out there and yep. make sure that we implement it in a way that meets your requirements mm-hmm. because usually it's not the technology. No. It's not what. What monitoring package are you using to monitor your enterprise? That's never it. The issue is, can you get people to allow you to install the agent on their device? Can you get people to give you authorization to run reports where you can actually see what's happening and act on it in a timely fashion? Are
0: you measuring the right things?
1: Right. And so that truly is, I think, where where our value comes out. Mm -hmm. and. it's been a fun process and yeah. it is also been a lot of work. Some for us and some for people we need sure. to help us. Oh, so yeah. I think we're, we're glad that that's over and we're glad the signs hung on the outside of the building right. and it we're looks glad great. that the ribbon is cut. Um, and what we look to do now is, as part of this brand, we're. Um, we're really looking to have the podcast, the highlight cast here, be part of this communication around it. And we've been getting some recent feedback as we have been recruiting folks that one of yeah. the things that has helped them to get some situational awareness of the company and understand kind of the context of the organization is the podcast. So I don't think we are uh, you know, ever going to be the... Um, The only way that we communicate but we certainly are going to continue to be a way that we talk about some of the little bit of the behind the scenes pieces of the business and uh, so we'll look to get one of these out about every month I think as the uh, as the workload and travel and everything else uh, allows and um, Kevin any other thoughts you had on kind of the uh, the way that we're moving forward with the the business Uh, honestly I think you I think you nailed it pretty well i i will just
0: say it was shocking to hear that someone that was looking to work here actually said that they listened to the highlight cast
1: i know right, right? that it was, was
0: interesting it, it <laughs> gratifying and you know the he listened to more than one too so that was amazing
1: yeah that was fun uh up to now i just thought uh it was just that my kids liked it and they use it they use it to go to sleep in the car but right. i mean uh, i know i'm a download but yeah you know. right so so that's that's the couple of us but uh <laughs> but so we will continue this yeah. and uh you know feel free to go ahead and send in any uh any questions that you have uh, i think highlight cast at highlight works oh, and great. um Feel free to pass on uh, questions or comments, and uh, thank you very much. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect Highlight Technologies and or any agency of the U.S. government.